from the ovens, prisoners of the earth, come out, storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets, swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingles, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling, breakthrough in gray room. Towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Tilt, blast, bound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot K-9, you are cut off. Back. Return to base immediately. Ride music beam back to base. Stay out of that time, Flack. All pilots, ride panpipes back to base. Yes, indeedy. Right, I'm back to base. Well, welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and uh, Jim Dwyer may or may not be joining us tonight. He uh, told me he had quite a bit of work to do, so he uh, probably won't be here since he's not here at the moment. But uh, hopefully he'll uh, show up, but if not, we'll carry on. Um... Boy, really disappointing. I'm going to return, by the way, to a couple of things from the uh, Pinochet file by uh, Peter Cornblue at one point, and uh, also an article in the New York Review of Books by Mark Danner, Bush's Fantasy War in Iraq, which may be a good place to start, obviously. Uh, the president has... I think almost wisely decided uh, not to mount this uh, surge over the Christmas holidays. Uh, that might uh, bring back scary memories of uh, Richard Nixon's Christmas bombing back in 1972. Maybe uh, the American people need a break from the continuing uh, saga uh, in Iraq, but it is uh, very troubling to learn that apparently George Bush is going to follow the advice of the neoconservatives and uh, John McCain, who uh, personally strikes me as a man who's uh, rapidly losing credibility uh, as a viable independent presidential candidate. This uh, idea that we're going to temporarily surge uh, in Iraq, in Baghdad specifically, with extra troops is exceedingly mysterious. Uh, we've had a testimony before Congress by the leaders of the American military that claim that we don't really have the troops for this. We have the uh, wise advice, the sage advice of Colin Powell, uh, who, of course, was repeatedly ignored during the buildup for the war uh, with Iraq, uh, questioning the wisdom of this uh, move. And it apparently seems that doubling down a phrase that apparently was used uh, in the uh, Weekly Standard by uh, Bill Kristol, one of the original cheerleaders for the war, appears to be the advice that President Bush is taking. Meanwhile, of course, Donald Rumsfeld departs from the Secretary uh, of the uh, uh, Defense. Uh, it turns out he ended up, I guess, eight days shy of uh, beating Robert McNamara's record as the longest-serving defense secretary. Probably appropriate that it's Robert McNamara, because, of course, the analogies between uh, McNamara and uh, Donald Rumsfeld, I think, will 
remain uh, for the rest of our lifetimes. Quick brain damage award to Dick Cheney. Uh, Don Rumsfeld, of course, had this uh, military parade uh, last Friday. Uh, it looked almost like a funeral. It looked uh, like something out of the Soviet Union. Of course, on hand were uh, Doug Fyth, Paul Wolfowitz, but apparently not Condoleezza Rice, uh, because we've learned from uh, various books and memoirs that uh, during this whole uh, buildup uh, and the whole war decision that uh, Donald Rumsfeld uh, rarely returned her calls. And as the uh, court historians have noted, uh, the interagency uh, national security uh, council buffer that uh, is supposed to uh, advise the presidency uh, on issues of war and peace uh, was broken, so to speak. We also, of course, want to reiterate that George Bush himself never asked Donald Rumsfeld uh, whether or not to go to war in Iraq. Uh, actually, a startling uh, admission that Rumsfeld admitted in an interview. We'll also give Newt Gingrich a brain damage award. Newt Gingrich, of course, is uh, he was on one of the Sunday talk shows, and I'm paraphrasing what he said here, but he basically wants a congressional bipartisan resolution uh, in the upcoming Congress uh, to essentially validate Bush's decision to uh, double down, <laughs> surge uh, in Iraq with extra troops uh, taking over Baghdad, apparently. And he said something to the effect of, uh, this can't be Bush's war, it must be an American war, otherwise we're looking at defeat. Well, <clears throat> I don't know if we're looking at defeat, but we're certainly not looking at victory, and that's been admitted as much by uh, even the new uh, Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates. Um when you go back and you sort of examine, uh, sort of deconstruct this frightening um, connection between uh, Newt Gingrich and uh, the neoconservatives, uh, you see some sort of scary um, connections. Uh, for instance, in the book Cobra, uh, Newt Gingrich was uh, one of the people that... Uh, Donald Rumsfeld uh, foisted on the so-called Defense Policy Board, an advisory panel that was headed by Richard Pearl. Richard Pearl, of course, being part of this troika of neoconservatives. Uh, we mentioned uh, Wolfowitz and Doug Fyth earlier as they were in attendance to Rumsfeld's uh, parade, so to speak. And um, Pearl was one of the original uh, proponents uh, of a war in Iraq, uh, along with those uh, three gentlemen. In uh, Cobra, the uh, book by uh, uh, Michael Gordon and uh, I'm trying to think of the other guy's name, uh, Bernard Trainer, the uh, former uh, New York Times uh, military correspondent, we learned that um, as Newt Gingrich was foisted into the um, Defense Policy Board that he became part of the uh, uh, proposal, the loose proposal regarding uh, transformation. And uh, transformation was uh, one of Donald Rumsfeld's brainchilds. And originally when uh, 
Bush had a meeting shortly after 9-11 regarding uh, military options. Uh, three were discussed, the Taliban, al-Qaeda, and Iraq. Wolfowitz and Rumsfeld's briefing papers were basically uh, asserted that only al-Qaeda and Iraq were actual threats to uh, America, uh, hence uh, the reason shortly after 9-11 that we took out the Taliban. Uh, they were easy so to speak. And, of course, the uh, situation in Afghanistan continues to be a mess uh, because the United States doesn't have a troop, uh, enough troops there either. So in the briefing papers, as Gordon and Trainer write, Rumsfeld encouraged Wolfowitz to raise Iraq at the meeting. After Rumsfeld posed the question of what should be done about Saddam, Wolfowitz, who was sitting in a back row, pressed the case for confronting Iraq during the first round of the administration's new war on terror. Colin Powell pushed back. Afghanistan needed to be the main focus, he argued. Taking on Iraq uh, would make it hard, if not impossible, to assemble a coalition. Rumsfeld countered that a coalition that was not willing to stand with the United States was one not worth having. And indeed, it's starting to turn out that the coalition of the willing, uh, which are increasingly talking about themselves, uh, withdrawing more and more from Iraq, uh, countries like Poland, uh, Italy, and uh, the British themselves, uh, we find out, after uh, listening to some other advice, that President Bush, uh, in those uh, uh, mid-September days of 2001, told um, Mr. Shelton, who was then uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, as he put it, quote, that's what I think. We should get this guy, and he's talking about Saddam, at a time and place of our choosing, which, of course, would suggest that uh, Saddam and a war in Iraq was uh, being contemplated in response to 9-11, as we now well know. Well, re-examining some of the uh, observations that were made in uh, Mark Danner's very interesting article that appears in the uh, December 21st uh, edition of the New York Review of Books, uh, Iraq, the War of Imagination, which he uh, reviews several books here. He opens this off, by the way, with a little uh, quote from George Kennan, uh, who was the original... uh, Uh, State Department official who came up with the policy of containment. Uh, He was a Soviet uh, expert at the time, wrote the so-called long telegram back in the uh, mid-40s. I think it was in 1946. He said in uh, 2002, September 26th, shortly before passing away, he said, quote, today if we went into Iraq like the president would like us to do, it's interesting that Kennan, uh, in September of 2002, knew uh, that Bush was going into Iraq. Uh, he, uh, Kennan said, uh, if we go into Iraq like the president would like us to do, you know where you begin, you never know where you are going to end. Indeed. And, of course, uh, we've just seen the uh, absolute breakdown of any rational thinking here. A couple of uh, footnotes in this article are, are very telling uh, regarding the uh, the problems 
regarding both uh, attacks uh, in Iraq and uh, as it is related to terrorism. For instance, in footnote number seven uh, in the article, uh, Danner writes, the number of daily attacks on U.S. forces in each of Iraq's purported, quote, turning points. And of course, that's a phrase that the president frequently used in presenting uh, to the public various and changing rationales for why we were in Iraq. The number of attacks on U.S. forces at various turning points are run as follows. July 2003, Bremer appoints Iraq Governing Council. 16 attacks per day. December 2003, Saddam Hussein captured 19 attacks per day. June 2004, handover of sovereignty to Iraqis, 45 attacks per day. January 2005, elections for the transitional government, 61 attacks a day. June 2006, the death of Abu Musab al-Zarqawi, 90 attacks per day. The source for this, by the way, is Anthony Cordesman, who wrote a uh, policy book uh, paper for the uh, Center for Strategic Studies entitled Iraq Force Development Summer 2006 Update. Then we get the more recent updates regarding uh, terror-related bombings. In the first year of the Iraq War, 109 terror-related bombings occurred. In the second year, it was up to 613. In the third year, 1,037. And in the last six months, 1,002. Uh, see the Geography of the War, Newsweek, 2006. These numbers do not include attacks on American uh, troops, which uh, include improvised explosive devices, of which there were 2,625 in July alone, nearly double the 1,454 IED attacks in January of that year, this, past, this year. Um, and uh, just to put a some perspective on the current death toll in Iraq. Uh, there have, of course, been a variety of estimates regarding this. And I just want to quote one final uh, paragraph here from Mark Danner's article. He writes, The level of carnage is difficult to comprehend. According to the officials published by the United Nations, uh, which certainly understate the case, 6,599 Iraqis were murdered in July and August alone of this past year. Estimates for the number of Iraqi civilians killed during the war range from a conservative 52,000 by the website Iraq Body Count uh, to the 655,000 by the John Hopkins School of Public Health with the Iraq Health Ministry recently announcing a cumulative total of 150,000. In the footnote, he notes, the current rate of killing of 100 Iraqis per day would be the equivalent, adjusting for population, of 1,100 Americans per day, or 33,000 dead per month. And he notes that in the decade-long Vietnam War, about 58, 
8,000 Americans died. This gives you an idea of how out of touch uh, with reality President Bush uh, really is. It's quite clear that the Iraq study group, which, by the way, I mean, it took nine months for them to come up with their uh, monumental um, birth of an elephant giving birth to a mouse. I, I love that uh, metaphor describing the Iraqi study, which, of course, uh, James Baker, um, one of the co-chairs of the uh, study, said, well, you know, you can't treat this as fruit salad. Uh, you got to accept the whole package. You can't pick out the pineapples and the peaches and leave the uh, grapes and the cherries, whatever. In fact, it's actually appropriate that a fruit salad be the analogy for the Iraq study group's uh, advice because there's conflicts within some of their own recommendations, for one. And for another... Um, uh, some of the uh, advice is just really not uh, in America's interest. Of course, they call for the sort of go-slow withdrawal approach. And we keep hearing uh, from the president that the uh, we can't have a withdrawal of American troops because this would signify to the insurgents uh, that uh, they can wait us out. Well, all the public discussion and all the delays in coming up with a so-called surge uh, into Baghdad uh, in the uh, 2007, the first uh, weeks of 2007, apparently. This is when the decider is going to have decided. Um, it strikes me that the insurgents have now been given plenty of uh, ample opportunity to pull their forces back and disappear into the uh, the desert, the mosques, uh, the houses, uh, the Iraq defense ministry, the bureaucracy, you name it. Uh, the insurgents have been uh, given plenty of warning uh, that the United States is going to attempt a brief escalation of the war. And how you get a bipartisan resolution, as Newt Gingrich suggests, is absolutely incomprehensible. Uh, the Democrats would be foolish to go along with any such proposal. Uh, most of them have stated rather unequivocally, that they're behind a Mirtha, somewhere between a Jack Mirtha uh, proposal or a Levin-Reed amendment in which there's a timed withdrawal uh, in which uh, the Iraq uh, government is forced to stand up as we stand down. There doesn't seem to be any standing down, and there doesn't seem to be stand any standing up. It strikes me that the Bush administration, alas, is confronted with the problem that both uh, Lyndon Johnson and uh, Richard Nixon found themselves in uh, with the Vietnam War. They don't want to be portrayed as an American president that lost a war. But Bush's incompetence is so monumental, he may actually lose two wars uh, because it's very unclear how the war in Afghanistan is indeed actually going. And we've seen uh, from all these memoirs the just absolutely staggering incompetence of the Bush administration's Iraq war policy. Meanwhile, of course, uh, Afghanistan has hardly been brought under control. And this idea that there's always going to be um, strong men uh, like Pinochet waiting in the wings to uh, work for America 
it, it just strikes me as uh, sort of ludicrous folly. Um, the interesting genesis, by the way, for this so-called transformation concept uh, in which uh, Dick Cheney called Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, what was that again? Let me read this again. The brain damage award that we gave him. Don Rumsfeld is the finest secretary of defense the nation has ever had, said this last Friday, uh, despite all the overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Meanwhile, of course, Rumsfeld went out with his usual sort of pugnacious baloney. Uh, he uh, stated, uh, today it will be clear that not only is weakness provocative, but the perception of weakness on our part can be provocative as well. A conclusion by our enemies that the United States lacks the will or the resolve to carry out missions that demand sacrifice and demand patience is every bit as dangerous as an imbalance of conventional military power. Ugh. I don't even know where to begin with that sort of delusional nonsense. But uh, when you get back, and I'm, I'm going to return to Cobra here, Cobra 2 briefly, the uh, trainer uh, Michael Gordon book, uh, talking about this, uh, <clears throat> this concept of transformation and preemption. Uh, he writes, The development of the preemption strategy had an instructive history when Cheney was defense secretary. This, of course, was back during the first Persian Gulf War. His aides prepared the, quote, Defense Planning Guidance, a classified document that was intended to guide military planning. Dick Cheney's policy team at the time was headed by Paul Wolfowitz, as well as Zamle Khalizad, the NSC aide, who later became the United States' ambassador to Iraq, and Scooter Libby, who became the vice president's chief of staff. Wolfowitz, of course, is now the uh, <clears throat> president of the World Bank, a position, ironically, that Robert McNamara held after he left the Defense Department. Lyndon Johnson kicked McNamara upstairs uh, by appointing him president of the World Bank. And we can somehow, sometime look at the, uh, the historical debate about the World Bank and how it operates uh, globally uh, in terms of... Uh, creating uh, international uh, third world debt for many countries with very misguided uh, policy uh, developments. Some of the stuff that the World Bank does, by the way, is constructive, but a lot of it is environmentally destructive, and it actually benefits American multinational corporations. As for Khalizad, not only was he the ambassador to Iraq, he was the ambassador to Afghanistan uh, for a time. Khalizad is also interesting because he was one of the 18 people that signed the so-called um, Project for a New American Century uh, that issued a document back in 1998 urging the Clinton administration to overthrow Saddam Hussein. Scooter Libby, of course, has been indicted uh, in the uh, special prosecutor case that's looking into the Joe Wilson uh, leak uh, scandal. Um, so I think that gives you an idea of the intellectual content of our, of the Cheney policy team here. Wolfowitz, of course, was one of the uh, main advocates of the war in Iraq uh, as early, according to the memoirs of Paul O'Neill in the first weeks of the Bush administration, well before 9-11. But certainly documented 
that he advocated a war with Iraq shortly after 9-11. Khalizad, and I'm returning to Trainer and uh, Gordon here, did an early strategy draft, and it read like a neoconservative tract. Khalizad's paper argued that the United States should be prepared to use force preemptively to prevent the spread of nuclear weapons, declared that the goal of American policy should be to maintain U.S. military primacy, and argued that military coalitions should not necessarily be based on formal alliances, but rather on ad hoc assemblies of nations, a practice that meant Washington would not necessarily be bound by the views of its allies. The draft set off a furor when it was leaked. It emanated from the most conservative wing of the government, and George H.W. Bush's White House quickly disavowed it. Cheney later issued a more politically acceptable draft that watered down and omitted the most controversial points. When it came to military planning, Rumsfeld had promoted a new agenda, but the foreign policy doctrine that was being promoted was a case in which an old doctrine that had been considered beyond the pale in 1992 was being revived by aides who were now at the core of the conservative Bush 43rd administration. Remarkable stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, but not surprising. Uh, and it's this harebrained coterie of uh, <clears throat> neoconservatives that are connected to Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld that are at the heart of America's uh, current problems. The notion that America... <clears throat> Um, should essentially assemble military coalitions and uh, not necessarily be bound by the views of the Allies. Of course, there's ample evidence for that. As for military primacy, it's quite clear that the uh, Bush administration is rapidly actually weakening America uh, with its war in Iraq, its uh, occupation of Iraq that's uh, accomplishing absolutely nothing, because uh, the vast majority of the Iraq population uh, holds America not responsible, but accountable for the violence in Iraq. And that's one of the key distinctions. Uh, most of the violence, of course, is sectarian at this point. And I fail uh, personally to uh, understand why sectarian violence between Shiites and Sunnis is somehow not in America's interest. Uh, it seems like if the Muslims are fighting each other. And, of course, we've had, you know, new uh, revelations that the new House Intelligence Chairman, uh, the Democrat, uh, the Democratic fellow from Texas, doesn't even know the difference between the, the Shiites and the Sunnis, but uh, then neither do many in the FBI. Uh, we have an absolutely appalling lack of understanding of this culture uh, uh, that we're so-called battling for the future of civilization over and it's the language. The language is problematic. The cult, I mean, when you read that uh, America only has six fluent uh, Arabic experts in the uh, whole field in Iraq uh, in the State Department, uh, it's just absolutely incomprehensible that this war continues, this occupation. Uh, but it will continue. Uh, George Bush is in the Richard Nixon LBJ problem. I don't want to lose a war. And I'm going to postpone this problem on to my um, 
successors, which, of course, is exactly what he will end up doing. Um, so, yes, weakness, as Rumsfeld uh, put it, um, is, is uh, provocative, <laughs> and the perception of weakness could be provocative as well. I keep wondering why the word stupidity isn't inserted there. Um, stupidity is provocative, and it is this continuing arrogance that the United States uh, is is mired in. Um, Colin Powell, uh, to his credit, was out counseling yesterday on the Sunday talk shows, and I can't remember which one he appeared on, but he was counseling against this uh, surge uh, into, uh, into uh, Baghdad in the upcoming months. He, of course, looking at it from the perspective, really, of a military man, not a former State Department official. And Condoleezza Rice, well, what more needs to be said of her? Um, she apparently, well, she didn't attend Rumsfeld's uh, parade uh, in uh, Washington on Friday. Um, her calls apparently were never returned by Rumsfeld during the NFC briefings during the war. Rumsfeld comes across at the end of the day... As somebody that had uh, probably idealistic, uh, naive concepts regarding transformation, and it's ironic that this rapid success that they had in uh, in, in Afghanistan uh, with the so-called policy and the concept of transformation led to the arrogant belief that they could pursue this in Iraq. Uh, it's important to remember uh, that BBC correspondents that were in Afghanistan uh, in the year 2001 all reported that Afghanistan was the poorest country on earth, that 70% of the population didn't even have drinking water, uh, that the military, of course, moved their uh, supplies, the Taliban, that is, uh, using donkeys and Toyota trucks. So it's no surprise that uh, America's high-tech military would prevail uh, in such a conflict. Uh, this is sort of like the equivalent of invading Grenada. Uh, America likes these sorts of conflicts, alas, where uh, one wise man put it quite well, America needs to beat the hell out of somebody every 10 years just so it can feel good about itself. And I think if you go back and you check out the post-war, and I'm talking here about post-World War II history, there's ample examples of uh, this as a prevailing military doctrine, and it's very troubling indeed. Well, <clears throat> Alex uh, Sergey, our reliable chief engineer and our engineer for tonight's show, is telling me that's it for Gray Matters. Do stay tuned. Uh, Yazoo City Calling coming up next right here on this fine station, WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'll be out of town next week for the vacation. So we'll hopefully be back in a couple of weeks. Good night. Come from miles around just to see you do that thing. <laughs>
and the body don't that thing, can't you do that thing? I do that. 